Rise and shine, liberty-loving patriots. Welcome to the Chris Ann Hall Show. I am your host, Chris Ann Hall, where we are liberty over security, principle over party, and truth over your favorite personality. Just so we're upfront and transparent, we are a teach show, not a talk show. So we're not going to come and give you a lot of political talking points and play the party game. But we're here to educate to inspire, to activate, so that we can create a better America for our future, a more liberty-focused America for our future, based in principles grounded in our Constitution, creating our constitutional republic. Today is going to be more of the teach show than our usual commentary on on current events. Uh, it is a current event commentary, but again, this is a teach show. We're going to talk today. I'm going to show you today how to stop federal gun laws and regulations. I know that sounds like an absolute statement, doesn't it? An absolute statement in an America where we're taught that even math is an absolute. Well, I'm sure you're here. And if you're not here because of this, but you understand that there are some absolute things, right? There's absolutely gravity. Just go jump off the building and see what happens. Our world is built with absolutes. And that's why our Constitution, or I'm sorry, our Declaration of Independence reads, we hold these truths to be self-evident. There are certain truths that are self-evident, meaning they happen so the exact same way over and over and over again throughout time. They prove themselves to be true. And I'm going to show you today through history, through the proper application of our Constitution and a proper working of the checks and balances that are created by those who actually created our constitutional republic to stop the movement of contemporary government towards absolute kingdom. So we can restore the liberty principles so our children can be free. That has to be our goal, right? It can't be, you know, what can I get out of this? Because this is a long-term battle. This is an inconvenient battle. This is a, a, a use your resources battle. And if it's all about you, then, you know, when somebody sends a stimulus check your way or, or somebody drops some kind of subsidy in your lap or things get better and, you know, all of a sudden you have a job and you're not paying $100, the gas tank, just to fill up your, your tank, then you sort of like drift off and forget about this whole limited government liberty movement. It's got to be about the future. It's got to be bigger than you. And so that's what this understanding of the right to keep and bear arms must be for every American. If there is one bipartisan thing that ought to be a self-evident truth in America. It ought to be the absolute nature of the right to keep and bear arms. My goodness, I'm, I'm flabbergasted. I'm absolutely flabbergasted and somewhat in awe of the manipulative propaganda that has actually 
convinced segments of our population that our right to defend ourselves, our personal individual liberty to defend our life, our liberty, our property is not absolute. The same people that we might classify as leftists, the same people that we would classify as liberal, who self-classify themselves as abolitionists, as anti-slavery, as equal rights for all, and anti-oppression. Even these extremists who go on with the anti-police and defund the police, right? How is it that these people, of all people in America, can be manipulated into believing and buying out wholesale that the government ought to hold the authority to control, to limit, to define our ability to keep and bear arms? If you are an abolitionist, if you despise slavery, if you believe that we should have a government built on equal application of the law and equal rights for all, then you of all people must be a defender of the right to keep and bear arms. Because all of history, the annals of time, scream out to us one self-evident, unavoidable truth. That it is only when a people are collectively disarmed that slavery becomes a possibility by law in society. Where equal application under the law is destroyed only when the people are deprived of their inherent natural right to self-preservation by a government force. Then and only then will we see complete servitude by for, inflicted by force by government. All of history, all of history tells us that that's the truth. So I'm, I'm in awe at the power of the propaganda of the left convincing the left that these people who are historically the whole you know, rights and individual liberty and non-slavery and non-racist and non-whatever. I mean, oh, the left of society convincing the left of society that they will somehow benefit from a whole, you know, disarming society kind of thing. And so we have to understand that this is a propaganda, this is a complete deception, this is a lie with a singular purpose. It has nothing to do with your safety, nothing whatsoever. The same people who scream about the Supreme Court, quote unquote, overturning Roe and Wade. Now you have to understand, 
we, we've covered this on a previous show. The Supreme Court did not overturn Roe v. Wade. Okay, The Supreme Court did not outlaw abortion. That is another piece of, of propaganda, political propaganda. Okay, But the same people who are screaming about the danger of ending abortion because people will get abortions illegally are the same people who are screaming that we need to outlaw guns and denying that people will get guns outside the law. If you're going to get an abortion contrary to the law, why is it such a stretch to believe that criminals will get guns outside the law? So that's why I said I'm in, I'm in awe. I'm in awe of the power of propaganda that convinces people to completely sell out for confirmation bias and, and ideological tribalism to their own destruction. Was it... Uh, Hannah Winthrop said, uh, how often do we see people uh, precipitively maddening on to their own destruction? Well, there you have it. The power of propaganda. And wrapped around that whole propaganda is this nice little bow titled, Rights Are Not Absolute. Your rights as enumerated in the Bill of Rights, are not absolute. Your rights are not absolute. You know, if there is one thing in society that we should be understanding in relationship to our government is that our rights are absolute. That's why the Declaration of Independence says we hold these truths to be self-evident that all, all is an absolute term all of mankind, that's what the word man means there, are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable, which is another absolute term. All is an absolute term. Inalienable is an absolute term. Creator is an absolute term. Unalienable rights. How ironic is it that the one thing we should be relying on as being absolute is now deemed by government as not absolute while at the same time those in power saying, well, guess what, right? Every crisis-driven dictate by government is absolute. So let me get this straight now. My rights are not absolute, but every crisis-driven ever-changing dictate by government is absolute? See, you can only get to that kind of thinking when propaganda rules your mind and not truth and not real logical understanding. You see, here's the truth, which is absolute in our constitutional republic form of government. As outlined in writing in the Constitution of the United States, specifically Article 6, Clause 2 of the Constitution, 
This is your absolute truth. It is the Constitution of the United States that limits and defines the federal government. Absolutely. It is the Constitution and its underlying principles that define the limits of government authority. And absolutely, within that standard of government, as in writing in the Constitution, there exists no authority for the federal government to regulate your right to self-preservation, your right to defense of your life, your liberty, your property. And if you just want me to say it, there is no authority resting in the federal government to regulate, define, or limit any of the rights of the people. No authority. So even if, but they are, even if my rights were not absolute, if you could somehow erase all the absolute language that describes our rights absolutely, all creator inherent shall not. These are all absolute terms. If you could somehow magically erase those, you cannot leap over the fact that there is absolutely no delegated authority in the hands of those in federal government to regulate, define, or limit our rights. And this is particularly true when it comes to the right to keep and bear arms. So there's no positive delegation of power in the hands of the federal government to regulate our right to keep and bear arms. And there is an absolute prohibition in the Second Amendment. Shall not be infringed is an absolute term. The very language Defining it as the right to keep and bear arms contains that absolute definition. And here's the key. If our rights are not absolute and the federal government has the authority to rule and regulate and define away our rights, then you must accept this conclusive fact that no one in America actually has rights. What you have are privileges bestowed upon you by the whim of the sovereign. Because they're either rights that are inalienable, they're either rights that are absolute, or they are privileges. And if we live in a world of privileges and not rights, then I hate to tell you this. The absolute truth is this. You are not free. 
You are a subject. And guess what? That's like 30 milliseconds away from a slave. That is one decree away from slavery. So if there's one thing that we need to understand is that the right to keep and bear arms is not there for the powerful, it's for the most vulnerable. The right to keep and bear arms exists to self-preservation against the most powerful. And it's not the will of the majority as the politicians and pundits want us to believe. No, our constitutional standard of government is drafted in a very straightforward manner, which gives us the solution to this problem. Remember I told you, how do we stop the federal government from these gun laws? How do we stop federal gun laws? There's an absolute answer to that. And it is in our constitutional republic design. Not the will of the majority as the leading. That is propaganda. The will of majority? You really? I mean, I... Again, it's one of those moments where I'm in complete and utter awe of the ability of these people in powerful positions to to sell chains and slavery to the people. I'm absolutely in awe. Because the same people in power that are telling you that it's the will of majority that drives government authority are the same people who are driving the will of majority to instill a self-imposed slavery. A will of the majority to hand all power in government necessary to keep the people in submission. It's, it's awe-inspiring, and it has been over time. The Constitution and our Republic was established to make sure that there were checks and balances. Checks and balances externally, powerful checks and balances. And I'm going to give you right now, you ready? I'm going to give you right now this understanding of how to keep and bear, how to end federal gun laws. I'm going to write this down. Ready? And this is not me making this up. This is me telling you, no matter where you are, this is what our constitutional republic design creates. If you want to stop federal gun regulations that are completely, all of them, all federal gun regulations are completely and totally 
not just simply unconstitutional, but completely outside the Constitution in defiant of the Constitution. You want to stop them? Your state and local governments have the authority and the duty to do so. Period. I'm going to show you the proof of this. This is uh, Federalist 39, and I'm going to read it right here. I'm sorry, start with Federalist 51. You see, the solution to a federal government overreaching its delegated authority, and I don't, let me just be clear to you, this doesn't have to be limited to the right to keep and bear arms. This is every federal government overreach. The solution is presented by those who drafted, who wrote, who ratified the Constitution as our government's standard of authority. The states must refuse to impose and enforce these laws, and our state and local governments must prevent the federal government from enforcing these pretended authorities. Now, what I'm, gonna be, I'm about to give you are two uh, are portions of two separate Federalist Papers writings by James Madison. But it's not just James Madison. This is actually quoted by the Supreme Court of the United States in a case called Mac Prins v. U.S. And this comes from Federalist 51. Hence, a double security arises to the rights of the people. The different governments will control each other at the same time that each will be controlled by itself. I want you to first notice the language. Madison doesn't say the different branches will control each other. He says the different governments will control each other. Our constitutional republic was designed so that the state and local governments would be a check and balance on the federal government. He says not only will they check themselves, but they will be a check of each other. Listen to how he, he defines this in Federalist 39. The local or municipal authorities form distinct and independent portions of the supremacy. No more subject within their own, no more subject within their respective authorities than the general authority is subject to them within its own sphere. Now I'm going to read that one more time because I sort of stumbled over my own language there. But this is not me. This is Federalist 39. This is James Madison. The local or municipal authorities form distinct and independent portions of the supremacy. No more subject within their own, with their respective authorities than the general authority is, is subjected to them within their own sphere. So look at this. I just did it again, Christian. Whatever. The states are a double security. That's what it says in Federalist 51. The states are a double security to the preservation of the people's rights, 
because the state will be a control of the unconstitutional exercise of power by the federal government against pretended power within the state's jurisdictions. The Supreme Court felt this to be relevant enough today to quote it in their majority opinion. The double security to the defense of your rights is the understanding that the states have a superior authority over unconstitutionally exercised federal power. That's the bottom line. Your state and local governments have an independent authority within their jurisdiction. That federal is 39. Madison is explaining, look, the federal government... Oh, let me, let me do it from an opposite perspective. The state government, your sheriff of Hillsborough County, Florida, has no authority to go to Washington, D.C. and impose the laws created by Washington, D.C. on, Hillsborough, on, uh, on Washington, D.C. So the Hillsborough County sheriff cannot take the Hillsborough County laws or even the state of Florida laws and impose them on the federal government. That's what Federalist 39 is telling us. And just as the Hillsborough County Sheriff cannot impose state or local laws on the federal government, the federal government cannot impose federal laws on the state and local government. See, this is not just me. This is not just, you know, those... Founders. It's actually Supreme Court saying, look, this is how this works. Okay, this is how this works. The check and balance exists that your state and local governments have a superior authority in their own jurisdiction. And the federal government, when the authority is not specifically delegated, can impose no unconstitutional laws at the state and local level because the state and local governments have a duty to be a check and balance in defense of the people's rights. What's interesting is the Supreme Court actually reiterates this. This is, I'm going to quote to you now from John Roberts. This is the Chief Justice, the current sitting Chief Justice of the Supreme Court of the United States. In a case where he wrote the majority opinion, NFIB v. Sevelius, he says, In the typical case, we look to the states to defend their power by adopting the simple expedient of not yielding to federal blandishments when they do not want to embrace federal policies as their own. And here's the key. The states are separate and independent sovereigns. And the Supreme Court said sometimes they have to act like it. I want you to look at this. He doesn't say in the rare instance or the occasional opportunity. He says in the typical case, in the everyday case, we look to the states to defend their prerogatives, their power, by not allowing the federal government to have authority within their jurisdictions. 
where that authority is not authorized by the Constitution. Because it really is a choice. It's a simple choice. Article 2, I'm sorry, Article 6, Clause 2 of the Constitution says, the Constitution is the supreme law of the land. It says, laws made in pursuance thereof, in pursuance to the Constitution, shall be the supreme law of the land. He says, the, the Article 6, Clause 2 says, the Constitution is the supreme law of the land, and the judges of the states are bound thereby. It also says, the laws of the United States, which are made according to the Constitution, are the supreme law of the land, and the judges of the states are bound thereby. But in that understanding, you must also understand that laws that are not made according to the Constitution, that are made contrary to the Constitution or outside the Constitution, are not the supreme law of the land, and the states are not bound by them. It's why Robert says they have the right, these states, to refuse these laws. It is a choice. They can say, all right, we'll just simply comply. You know, they're not authorized by the Constitution, um, but we'll, we'll yield. We'll yield. Or they can stand up, as John Roberts in the Supreme Court says, they can stand up to the court, to the federal government and say, no, we will not yield. Why? They have the power to choose, the power to choose to comply. They have the power to choose not to comply because they are independent, separate and independent sovereigns. And they have the power to act like it. Your right to secure your life, your liberty, your property is no different than your right to freedom of speech and freedom of religion. Your right to peaceably assemble, your right to petition the government for a redress of grievances. There's no difference because they're all absolute. Our lack of understanding of the absolute nature of our rights originates in our lack of understanding of the proper role of government. How, you know, why we, we, we are miseducated and, and pundits and politicians and media are always conflating your freedom of speech on Twitter and Facebook. Well, you're not absolute on Twitter and Facebook. You know, um, you don't have a right to freedom of speech on somebody's private property platform. That is a miseducation to steal some words from the government. That's a disinformation. Your rights are absolute to government. They are not absolute to private individuals. That's the distinction. That is absolutely the distinction. I do not have an absolute right to do some, to say something in someone else's house, but I do have an absolute right to speak my mind to convey my beliefs and my understandings in the face of government. The Bill of Rights is not written to limit the people in their actions. The Bill of Rights is written to remind the people that their rights are absolute in the face of government. 
a law that prevents a person from possessing any degree of property. But especially the property in their right to keep and bear arms, the property in the security of their individual without due process needs to be rejected, not just by individuals, but by the state and local governments. Capricious legislation driven by the crisis du jour should not be our model for sound and stable government. Rather than removing liberty under the guise of protecting children, we should be working to help defend the life, the liberty, the property of the most vulnerable in our communities. Violent criminals do not obey gun bans. And the victim is always the first person on the scene of the crime. Why not empower the victim to defend themselves? So they're not victims. Gun-free zones do not keep people safe. They create victims. As a society, we should be dedicated to the preservation of life for everyone. And the most effective preservation of that life is to get government out of the way so we can defend ourselves. State governors, legislators, sheriffs must declare publicly and openly that they will defend the rights of the people to defend themselves and they will refuse to enforce and they will refuse to allow the federal government to enforce these pretended, invented, unconstitutional limits upon our rights. This is the solution, ladies and gentlemen, not according to Chris Ann Hall, according to those who drafted the Constitution, according to the Supreme Court of the United States. We don't need any further decrees. We don't need any further clarifications. The Declaration of Independence reads, we hold these truths to be self-evident, absolute, that all absolute men are created equal and endowed by their creator absolute with certain unalienable absolute rights. And then the Declaration of Independence reminds us that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just power from the consent of the governed. If it's not consented to, the power is unjust. 
Our consent in America is in writing through our constitutions. If it's exercised, if government authority, if a law, an executive order, a regulation, an opinion from a court is outside the constitution, it is outside our consent. It is unjust and must be opposed. And the quickest, the most effective, the most powerful opposition to unconstitutional legislation, executive orders, and Supreme Court opinions, four words, we will not comply. Peaceful non-compliance. And we need governors, state legislators, and sheriffs to have the wisdom and the fortitude to stand up and publicly proclaim they will not allow these federal regulation of our absolute right to self-defense, self-preservation, be imposed and applied to their people. We need people, governors, state legislators, sheriffs who understand that regulation of firearms is not the security of the people. We need them to understand that regulation of the firearms is to the destruction of the people. I was a prosecutor for nearly a decade. I have been involved in the legal field Oh my gosh, for two decades, over two decades. There is another absolute truth that we need to understand. And our sheriffs, our state police, our police chiefs know this absolute truth. It is an absolute truth, guys. I know that's offensive, but it's an absolute truth. And here it is. Laws don't stop crimes. Come on, sheriffs, you have to know that. Laws don't stop crimes. And gun laws and gun regulations do not stop criminals, wicked, evil people from hurting people. So don't give me this common sense discussion on gun control. It's not gun control. It's people control. There ought not be a sheriff or a police officer in America that buys into this errant rhetoric that more gun laws will stop gun crimes. That is a lie. More gun laws create more victims. That is an absolute truth. Every sheriff in America ought to be standing up right now with the will and the understanding and the courage to say, not in my county. There'll be no federal agents imposing these things in my county. There will be no federal laws on guns imposed in my county. I'm not going to let the state police impose these in my county, nor the federal government. Every sheriff who understands that laws don't stop crimes must know that gun laws create victims. They don't stop criminals. State legislators, 
stand up and say, not in my town. On my website, chrisannhall.com, Chris is going to put up a link there on, on legislative ways to stop federal gun laws. On this link, there is an example of a Second Amendment Preservation Act passed in Missouri. Every state legislator should be doing this. Not just making a public statement, but putting forth legislation. And let me just say this little message out there. If you live in a red state with a Republican majority who all run on being Second Amendment candidates, the Second Amendment Preservation Act should be a breeze. There should be no, there should be no, there should be no opposition. It should go through. If you live in a blue state, right? The Democrat Party is opposed to discrimination, opposed to, to uh, slavery, for equal rights for everyone under the law, okay? You should be opposed to federal gun laws. Because guess what? Federal gun laws is how discrimination has power. Federal gun laws is how people become slaved by law. The maintenance of our right to keep and bear arms ought to be a bipartisan thing. Because every single person who is serving in government, hearing my voice right now, has taken this oath. I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of my state. Every single one of them at the state level, every one of them at the federal level, I do solemnly swear that I will support and, the Constitu I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States without hesitation or mental reservation. The very nature of the oath itself must drive and compel you to refuse these federal gun laws. It should drive and compel you to not even engage in these common sense debates over gun legislation. There's only one question that needs to be answered. Only one. When somebody comes up to you and says, we just need to have a common sense debate on gun legislation or gun control. Say to them, okay, that's great. Because I like the common sense approach. So let's do it this way. Common sense dictates. I have one question for you in our common sense discussion. Do you trust that no one, either now or in the future, will use the power and force of government to take or deprive you of your life, liberty, or property? Do you trust that the government will never be used to do that to you? If the answer to that question is no, guess what? Our common sense debate is over. Because the bottom line is, the right to keep and bear arms is not about hunting. It's not about gun collecting. It's not about sports. And it's not just about defending yourself from robbers and rapists. Nope. It's about preventing those in power from depriving the people 
by force with their life, liberty, from their life, their liberty, and their property. Now, you can find the text of this show in a similar form on my website, chrisannhall.com. The proposition that rights are not absolute. Right there. You can even click a link to download and print what I have just taught you with some bonus material. That's a whole lesson on what is the purpose, sole purpose of government. What is the origin of legislative power? What is the definition of just power? What is the definition of unjust power? Majority rule synonymous with tyranny of the majority, not with liberty. And when the laws of government operate contrary to the individual right, meaning the government is operating contrary to its sole purpose, the government is not operating with just power, and the people are not free. So I'm providing this to you not only in this video, but in written form. Go to chrisannhall.com. It's the very first article. If you're seeing this within a short time frame of this of this podcast, it's the very first article in line at chrisannhall.com, K-R-I-S-A-N-N-E-H-A-L-L.com. Christian's sitting here with me, but he's not mic'd up. I have a lot of experience with the generation of people who love TikTok and Love these TikTok challenges and all this stuff. You know what I'm talking about, right, Christian? Right? So I'm going to issue you a challenge. I'm going to issue you a challenge. This is a Rumble challenge. How's that? Or a Spotify challenge, whatever your medium you're listening to. Challenge you to get your governor, your representative, your sheriff to make the same statement that Jennifer Gross made, Ohio Representative District 52. I've put it up on my Instagram channel. She read my article, which is the loosely transcript of what I just told you just now, and immediately published this statement. You can catch it on my, on my Instagram channel. I know Christian's showing it to you. I, Jennifer Gross, Ohio House Representative District View 52, declare publicly and openly that I will uphold my oath to the Constitution of the United States and the Constitution of Ohio by refusing to enforce and refusing to allow the federal government any jurisdiction to enforce any limit upon the rights of the people of Ohio to include the right to keep and bear arms. And then she gives you the challenge. I pray you will ask your legislators to declare the same. This is not radical, guys, in any way, shape, or form. Defending your rights is only radical to two classes of people. Defending your rights is only radical to two classes of people tyrants, and slaves. After this lesson today, go ahead and classify yourself. Thank you so much. 
because I know out there, there are no tyrants and slaves. You are liberty-loving, life-defending, posterity-protecting people and lovers of your neighbor. And you know and understand that means not only is my right, all my rights absolute, but specifically my right to defend myself. So I want to thank you so much for your time today. Thank you for joining me. Remember, you carry the power of this podcast when you share, when you encourage others to listen. You carry the power of this podcast. Leave a comment below something that you found amazing about this podcast, something you really like about this podcast something you learned in this podcast. Because when you comment below, what you're actually doing is showing other people why they want to listen. Because you carry the power of this podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. And on behalf of me and Christian, God bless and we'll see you next time. We hold these truths to be self-evident. That all men are created equal and endowed by their creator with certain alienable rights. We have a power. And we've raised a spoiled brat representative government that needs to be taken to the woodshed. Are you satisfied with the government that owns you? There are churches who refuse to allow us to use their facilities to teach. Unspoken or even sometimes spoken rule that religion and politics don't mix. You wouldn't dare speak out against the government or somehow resist. Christians have to be involved in politics. God commands it. Every turn of event through history hinged one person will stand up upon a single person and then everybody else will stand a gym member surrounded by a crowd of supporters was placed in handcuffs a tampa bay pastor has been arrested sentenced to a week in she jail also